Join us this April 2nd and 3rd for the Worship Audiovisual Experience Spring 2024 Conference and Expo happening in conjunction with the Cavlo event. Wave and Cavlo are bringing more than 50 leading manufacturers and service providers to the Gaylord Opryland in Nashville, Tennessee, showcasing the latest technologies available for your church. Wave will be providing conference education to take your production and worship to the next level by learning lighting, sound, and video techniques, as well as leadership and advanced technologies like AI usage. Registration is just $99 if you register by March 5th for the conference. The Expo Pass is always free for everybody, so make sure to bring your entire team to see all that the exhibitors have to offer. Register at wave-event.co. That's wave-event.co today. Attention all churches and organizations. Are you looking to amplify your message and reach your community in a powerful way? Introducing Podcast Made Simple, the perfect solution for churches and organizations and even yourself, eager to step into the world of podcasting with ease and confidence. Our beginner course serves as a comprehensive guide, helping you navigate the ins and outs of podcasting effortlessly. From selecting the right equipment to crafting engaging content, Podcast Made Simple provides step-by-step guidance tailored to your needs. No more struggling with complicated technology or feeling overwhelmed by the process. With our course, you'll be recording and sharing your message to the world in no time. Podcast Made Simple helped our church connect with our congregation in a whole new way. Thanks to this course, our message is reaching more people than ever before. Don't miss out on this opportunity to engage your community and make a lasting impact. Enroll in Podcast Made Simple today. The link is in the show notes or visit our website, InvisibleMediaConsulting.com. The Church Sound Podcast is brought to you by Invisible Media Training. If you want to empower your tech staff, we have courses that teach churches the technical tools for ministry. Hit them at InvisibleMediaTraining.com. It's time to empower and grow. Welcome to the Church Sound Podcast. Part of the Repurpose Network. Where kingdom culture, real life, and technology intersect. I'm your host, Prentice Thompson. What we do, we talk to real people, pastors, leaders, engineers, tech people, manufacturers, worship leaders, all about church, technology, and provide solutions for a successful Sunday morning service. You ready? It's time to take a ride. Let's go. Yes. Yes. Welcome to another edition of the Church Sound Podcast. I'm your humble host, Mr. Prentice Thompson. Thank you for the lovely applause. Guys, love me. You love me. I really appreciate your time, taking time out your day. If you're on the treadmill, if you're in the car, you're in the whip, you're in the crib, you had the job, you had lunch, and you decided to click the button to play, hey, thank you. We got a great, great, great show for you today. We are going to start a series with my brother, Josh Head. It's It kind of it started from 
from conversations that we have from period periodically where we we call each other and invent and share and vent and and share and vent and so we share and vent about you know churches and about technology about engineering about systems and the conversations that we have with pastors I'm going to keep it just like that the conversations that we have with pastors from from one side of the fence of I understand technology I trust my people we're going to move forward to the other side who who say I don't know what that is and then now nah, come on now now nah, what I want is um if you can't get if you can't make that black real black I mean blue uh, that's what I wanted that's what I said I just said I wanted black and then I say green can you make that blue green and the green red and the orange purple because you know that's the color of the color of perfection well, Pastor, you said like four colors. No, I didn't. I said I said one. I said blue, pink, orange, and and and, and strawberry. Is strawberry a color? Strawberry is not a color. Is strawberry a color? Mabel, is strawberry a color? I'm talking about people like that, man. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs of all ages, please welcome to the Church Sound Podcast once again, my brother, Josh Head. <laughs> What's up, people? It's been a minute, but I have not gone one day without thinking about you all. <laughs> real talk, real talk. My goodness, what are we doing? I know, right? Isn't that, you know, <laughs> but the funny thing is we, we joking, but we yeah. so serious. That's serious because everyone else is. Yeah, we so serious. So to put yeah, everything, yeah. to put a bow on it, ladies and gentlemen, the t- today's topic, we're going to go through three different topics on three different podcasts, three different shows. And we're going to start this one when the title is when the church with the budget trusts the engineer. When the church My with the goodness. budget trusts the engineer. So let's just let's let's get some definitions out there. Trust. What is trust? What does trust really, really mean? It's a firm belief in reliability, in truth, in ability, in strength of of someone or something. Now, the funny thing, yo, when I read the when I read just some synonyms on untrustworthy, this is what oh, I read. Man. Crooked. Okay. Unreliable. Dishonest. Oh, wow. Deceitful, unassured, mm. devious, slippery, irresponsible. So, wow. So, what when I and when we go talk talk to churches about moving forward in technology and the hap- apprehension of it, it's really wrapped in this sense of untrustworthy. Or you don't trust what you're hearing. Yep. The source. The source. Or, or the information. The source. Or the information. Right. Yeah. Source of the information. So it could come from your experience of getting burned. Mm-hmm. And I've run into, and you've run into a lot of churches who showed up to try to help a church out. And it's kind of like dating a girl who, who was with a, a you know, who was being physically, was, was being physically abused. And then you mm-hmm. start dating an abuser, yeah. ab- abuser. And then they start taking out the, the mm-hmm. effects of that relationship yeah. on you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of the same. What, you, what do you think? 
I think it, it, it definitely is that, but I would go further. Um, let, let me ask you something before I make my state. I don't want to, I don't want to be off on the church sound podcast. Um, <laughs> are we referring to the overall church? When we talk about churches and budget, or are we zero in in specific types of churches before I say what I have to say? Are, are we broad here? Or are we narrowing into specific types of church, multicultural churches, large churches, small? What, what, what you know, you, can, you just said budget. Right. So when I say budget, it could be a small budget that a church will trust somebody mm-hmm. or a large budget where a church will trust, trust someone. Okay. All right. So, all right. So when a church that has a budget doesn't, okay. So I, I think that part of that. It's beyond um, just the experience. You're talking about the experience, previous experience, previous abuse of responsibilities, re- abuse of abuse of power, right? Uh, abuse of resources, abuse of uh, volunteers, and things like that. Um, I think that the problem also involves a lack of knowledge. So what happens is people think that okay, well. I don't know. So I'm not sure that you know. And so when we're talking about church in credentials, they don't understand like where to have the, the, the source of accreditation. Now, now stick with me with this. Okay. If you're talking to a lawyer, you're going to say, okay, he's a lawyer. He has a certain degree, et cetera, et cetera. If you're talking about a doctor, he has a doctor, a certain degree, et cetera, et cetera. If it's a dentist, it, professional, um, we call them professional um, careers. Okay. You know, they have right. a, a letter behind them or something of that nature, right? right. And then you have the the careers that are uh, what we would call uh, your working uh, class. It might be a janitorial or maintenance or landscaping or auto mechanic mm-hmm. or, um, you know, um, someone who, who the cleaning service, things of that nature, right? And so for some reason, and tell me if this has been your experience, but I'm just speaking from, from mine. And from what I've observed, um, there is this thought process that people who are on engineer engineering, although we use the word engineering, they're not valued as an engineer at a, um, a aviation company or a de- department of defense company or a shipbuilding company. Like an engineer, when they say they're an engineer, you're thinking, okay, they are accredited, they have degrees, et cetera, et cetera. They don't think of people who work audio, visual media as those types of professionals. The thought process of the credentials are not the same. And so I think it's not just that they were abused. I don't think that they really believe in that. I know we're going to unpack it, but because you have people that are up there that, are, that don't have any training or experience. And then they're, they're giving all this advice and then things go wrong. And so it's not just abuse of money, abuse of power. It's just uh, people don't know what to trust. I had a conversation today about somebody um, who spent a lot of money, uh, meaning their church, spent a whole lot of money, lost a lot of money, trusting novice volunteer people who were behind the uh, in the in the role of engineer. So I want to introduce that thought um, right. that they don't know how someone is credentialed. They don't know how to trust the experience and training. You know, it's kind of similar to like we both we both come from the music world. It's kind of yes. it's kind of similar <laughs> to like having a manager. Yes. 
You know what I mean? It's like, oh, that's my manager. What has your manager now? Like, where is he from? And he's like, what's this degree in management? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, oh, <laughs> <You> know? Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, then, then, then make the mistake, make, make the mistake of, of looking down on that and, and then let us introduce LeBron's team mm. who none of them, you know, went through that formal process of education, but are now managing billions of dollars and some of the most successful sports management people in the entire field right. with no degree, no law degree, none of those things. Right. So it's an interest. I mean, the America and the world has changed a bit where when we use words like credentials and certified and qualified, or the uh, we, 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 we need <laughs> verify. <laughs> I'm verified. You got to shake your head to that. I'm verified. Sanctify. <laughs> You know what I mean? Uh, you need to be fine before you can come up in here. <laughs> but, but that's the reality, man. That's the reality. And, uh, and, and who are we? Do we know the difference? Right. Of, 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 of someone that knows what they're doing and, and that or not. So there's, I think that there's just so much gray and there's un, people are unsure uh, of what to trust. Right. Beyond the fact that they've been abused before. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of goes back to one or two things. One, it's understanding technology or having just yeah. a semblance of understanding technology and then having somebody in your corner that you know understand technology. And mm-hmm. what I say to a lot of a lot of churches is when they're when they're going through the process of what are we doing, how are we getting there, wh- whatever it is, I always say to them, excellence is intentional. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. You have to be intentional. Intentional yeah. can take time because mm-hmm. you're trying to get to the to your phases and what are you doing in phases is right now at the church I'm at, we're about to redo the entire sanctuary. So I'm doing everything in phases, you know, for the mm-hmm. end result yeah. that's going to be like maybe 18 months from now. But mm-hmm. we're going through these different phases. So this way, when we get to the end, I already kind of know what it's going to look like, but to the, but to the, to the naked eye, to the, to the layman, they're going to go, it's too much dust in here. It's too much dust in here. You know, y'all need to brush this stuff off. Y'all doing this construction here. Y'all got plastic up everywhere, you know, Uh but you know, you can't, you can't, you can't see the end, but no, no, but understanding the process of it is like excellence is intentional. And having somebody in your corner that you trust can sometimes to a pastor be daunting because they don't know who to trust. Yes. They don't. And so the question is for them is how do I find that person? Mm. You know I, what I because, mean? Well, and, and also when we're talking about trust, there's the things we don't talk about. If you look at the back of um, any dollar bill, uh, 50, 100, 2010. Benjamin, you know, one, Benjamin. <laughs> the word trust is on the 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 legal tender, <laughs> which is what they're called, uh, an our American dollar. It says in God we trust as well. But the point that I'm saying is money is based on trust. Right. People will spend more money. I mean, the difference of spending money on a Maserati uh, which is, you know, clearing 100K versus uh, a Ford um, F-150 um, 
is trusting that the engineers that develop the machine have developed something that is two, three times the value and trusting the brand, right? Um, and another way to say it is if a new car company comes out tomorrow, you're not going to have people in the masses to, to purchase because it's just a new name and they don't trust um, the experience, the, the years of experience. Um, so it, it, there's a money part. There is a um, experience part that I just use those examples of illustration that, you know, sometimes it's just like, I don't know you. I don't know how you've dealt with money. I don't know how you've dealt with more than 20K because, you know, with AV, you know, things can go upwards of 20K, 50K, 100K. I mean, depending on the project, uh, but they're not, you know, they're not always, you know, uh, 500 bucks, a thousand. That's more cosmetic types of things in AV. And so when you get into that, they're, they're trusting that, okay, I've got to put money behind this and it's, and it's a capital expense, which, you know, not to get, you know, too heavy into to, to the, the terms, but uh, capital budget and capital expense usually involve, you know, your board or higher level committees vote on, you don't just sign off and keep going. You know what I mean? Right. So that's the name of the game. You know, you brought something up that kind of brought something back to my remembrance about, um, recognizing a manufacturer, a new manufacturer. So oh, yeah, uh-huh, a new so, right. Yeah, so brand. so a little segue, a little detour. I re- I was working at a company that was starting. They had purchased um, another company that made studio monitors. Yes, and so. They they brought them to me. I checked them out. They were kind. Of, they were similar to Genelex, but just just very similar, but made in. I think they were made in Italy, I believe. So they were these these speakers were, were to be sold in house, you know, through the company. Hold on, was bless. Woo. And so I go I go to the general manager. I said, Hey, listen. I come from this world. You know, I've been a rep of a, I've been the rep of a speaker brand for seven years. I can tell you the ins and outs. I can tell you where to sell it, how to sell it, who to get. Do you need endorsements? You know, are you doing public relations? Are you doing, you know, who's handling all these things? And this, the answer was, well, these are going to sell because we're going to sell them and we just need you guys to, to let people hear them. And I was like, that's not how it works. Okay. I said, that's not how okay. it works because you have to build trust. Here we go with the word trust. Report, trust report. Yeah. trust yeah. with the end, the end user. And if you don't have a name yeah. attached to the mm-hmm. product, it's not going to yeah. sell. So they proceed to tell me, well, listen, what do you suggest? I said, I suggest you take about eight months and let me get some let me get this into the hands of some studios, some producers, some engineers with the name and, and, and build the name and the brand. And mm-hmm. he said, how many? I said, you, you're going to have to give away some, some of them. He said, what, what, what we'll do, we'll sell it to them at a discount. I was like, they don't care about that. They, <laughs> they want free 99 and <laughs> And basically, my reputation, if I call, if you call, if I call, it's, oh, for real, P? 
All right, yo, bring them through. Let me hear them. So trust. Like, trust. So what ended up happening was they said, well, listen, we're not going to do that. What we're going to do is I need you to book out this studio and we're going to put him in the studio. We're going to bring all the top sales guys of the company here and they're going to hear them and then they're going to sell them. And I said, I'd love to do that because I love being in a big room and just chilling. And I, I, I kind of used the days getting magnificent B-roll, which I still have. Because <laughs> you know I brought my cameras with me. I got a beautiful B-roll. Yeah. And oh, yeah. what ended up happening, two years down the line, the, the coal company tanked. The wow. whole company tanked. And it all, built, it all went to, they did not listen to someone who was from that industry, who was working for you, who could help you, they refused to listen to me and the company died. Huge loss from a lack of trust. Huge loss. You know what I'm saying? From a lack of trust. Wow. I mean, millions of dollars, bro. Millions of dollars. Wow. And I and I would say, listen, let, let me hold a pair. Like, let me hold them, take it to my studio. Like, let me hold them. No, we'll, we'll, we'll sell them to you at a discount. I said, don't even worry about it. I don't need them that bad. Yeah. But it, but it all goes back to expertise, trust, knowing, knowing the yeah. people that you're with. So it really, it really boils down to trust. So the question was, how does a pastor know who to trust? I think it kind of goes back to a, a vetting, a vetting period. No question. And time. Yeah, I, well, I mean, but at the same time, okay. Well, if if, if we're gonna uh, take a step back from the church environment and look at the broad the world around us, uh, most of us who deal with things at home as it relates to hiring contractors, it might be if you if you own a home. It might be landscape contractors. It might be plumbers. If you uh, if you're renting, um, you know the landlord has to to deal with it. But you still, um, you know, have to communicate those things to the people who have to manage it. But the point that I'm getting to is, you want to vet a company when you're vetting a company or vetting an organization. You want to look at their credentials. You want to look at their history. You want to look at references of what they've done. And so, if I brought someone in, that's why I keep going back to the. Um, not knowing how to vet or not knowing the credentials or knowing what to look for. Um, you know, you have organizations, right. That, that have some skin in the game. I mean, you have engineers that have not gone through a formal process, but you can at least ask for references and experience, right? So resume, um, as well as work experience, project management experience, which is another word that we don't like to use, but in the corporate world, um, Project managers are hired all of the time to take on a project, to deliver a project, and then to move on to something else where they're not an in-house hire, right? So whether you have an in-house hire or someone who's helping you out, you always can ask for their project management experience. And in this field, when you're talking about upgrades, you're talking about um, construction management, you're talking about um, installation and installation management, you're talking about training of staff. Um, there should be a history there. And if you simply, as a leader or as a pastor, if you simply ask and require them to provide you some history of their work, that will help you to gain the trust that I think that we need. 
instead of just going off your gut and let me pray about it. And I don't say we shouldn't pray about things. We should always be prayerful about what we do. However, uh, when looking at the Bible, when Solomon built that temple, you know what I mean? It wasn't the Holy Ghost that he was looking for as, as the vetting process. He hired craftsmen from all over the world to do the stonework, the woodwork, the construction, the engineer. That's in the Bible. So we, we, want, we want to be good stewards of what we're doing by making sure that we understand what people have done, what they're capable of, what the track record of is, and what scale. I, I need to say that. Capacity. That's a word. If, is that all right if we yes. introduce that word? We can definitely introduce um, capacity. Yes, I do want that. So I'm using that as a, as a metric, I think, that we need to rethink as pastors. So, for example, if you have someone who's an engineer or a volunteer or somebody, and they've worked on systems that I'll use numbers, for example, as relates to a congregation. Let's say that they've only worked in a storefront church capacity, meaning maybe less than 150 seater or less than 100 seater, give or take, right? Storefront, that's like um, 50 to 75. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. Well, all right. So yeah. so under under 100. So the point that I'm saying is I'm, I'm just using this as a reference for those who might not have a lot of technical knowledge. If, if the person that you're working with has only worked with systems that are used in a very small uh, facility, that could be one way that you can look at it without having all the technical jargon, because I can get into a lot of technical jargon, but that's not a point to confuse people. Um, Versus someone else who said, you know, I've managed a facility that seats 3,000 people, 5,000 people, a stadium, right? That gives you a little bit more of a scale of to what capacity they work. If they've worked with, uh, let's use cameras, for example, if they say, well, I've worked with a system that has three to five cameras working at the same time versus another person that says, I've only worked with one camera or I've only done streaming with my iPad. Um, and I'll, I'll leave that one alone for another show. <laughs> but, but I, I, you know, it's a reality. That's what people are doing. Or if they say, well, I've only worked with a system where the pastor was speaking and we had two worship leaders versus another that might say we had an eight-piece band with um, horns, five to seven vocalists, pastors, six monitors, you know, um, in-air monitors, uh, a system in the hallway, a feed that goes into our overflow room. Right. As I'm talking through that, that gives you a sense of capacity. Scale. What capacity has this engineer worked with as right. it relates to the scale of the job? Right. The scale of the, the venue, the scale of the project. That is something that, that will help you with trust because the more that you see the capacity in which they've worked and the time that they work, for example, if they worked in that capacity for five, 10, 15 years, it's different than someone who just got out of college and is an intern, et cetera. So I think there are some things that we can, when we ask the right questions, like in any relationship, if you ask the right questions about history and do a little bit of research on history, I think it'd be a little bit better off than just going with your gut. Right. You know, what are your thoughts on that? I think that that's so true because I, I literally, last week I interviewed a gentleman for a position as an engineer, not the one we talked about offline, but somebody different. And Okay, um, yeah. I was I was kind of shocked that I, I that I was even interviewing him, um, okay. and he, I basically had a few a few questions, and I said, well, um, you know what what you know what kind of what, what consoles have you mixed on? You know, just regular stuff. And he showed me a picture. This is a system my church had, you know, and he showed me a PV mixer and a you know a couple of twelves and you know. 
you know, no bottoms, you know, just in the air. Some horns. Some, you know, we have four four microphones here, and this one, mm-hmm. this line right here is for the pastor. So it really goes the context of capacity. So, well, I said, well, listen, let me let me show you what we're using. Yeah, and reference, reference, and when he looked at it, he was like, "Oh, okay." Um, you wanted in, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Oh, that's what you do. Oh, oh, that's, that, what oh, oh that's what we doing here. Okay, doc. Okay, doc. <laughs> do the doc talk. <laughs> All right, doc. <laughs> you know, so. Oh, it's like that. It was like that. Like that. So it was just like you start to understand the capa- <laughs> the capacity. What kind of what you're saying is like your capacity was really shapes your experience, you know, and, w- and what you've been dealing with. Because you can say you mixed front of house for 15 years at a church that had like a 16 channel PV, or someone that worked 15 years front of house as working on a digico. Let me, if it's okay, let me let let, let me share a story, uh, and it's. <laughs> It's not funny. It's just ironic. I mean, I want to say it's funny, but it's not funny because it's an organization, and I wouldn't call them a small organization. They've done festivals, right? They've done festivals with several thousand people there, okay? So I would say an organization that has hosted a festival for more than three years, and their attendance was not less than 3,000 on multiple years, I would not call that a very small organization, right? I wouldn't call that a storefront organization. Right. No, no I'm not. on the phone with the representative. Uh, well, I had a meeting then on the phone with the representative. Very frustrated. Uh, extremely frustrated. Uh, frustrated on your end? Or they were frustrated? Uh, no, no, no. They were frustrated about an experience and they asked me for help. Oh, okay. They, they were calling me for help. And, and, and um, I said, okay, explain the situation. And so it has to do with capacity. It has to do with who they hire. We have this guy that we work with in the festival. Again, I already said two, 3,000 people. For several years, they're using the same guy. And as I'm listening, I'm listening to what they're saying, what they're doing. We had a band. We had this. Then we had games. You know, the dignitaries came. The mayor came. It's full. You know, I said, okay, cool. But tell me, what is the problem? This guy who's the engineer uh, that he told them, um, he basically was yelling and very disrespectful to one of the board members who was an elderly woman. And I said, oh, well, first of all, that's not right. That is just disrespectful. You shouldn't be disrespectful to anyone, especially elderly, regardless of what the context of what it is. Right. But they went further. You know, there's a history here because she's the one that helps to do the planning and along with this other guy. So long story short, um, the hang up is that the lady, the, the board member, the elderly later, lady was asking some specific questions about the program because the program was going to have dance group. It was going to have a singer going to have a dignitaries, things of that nature. And they were asking some specific questions just about what one of the uh, singers or groups asked for accommodations. It was, it was a pretty simple question about maybe tracks or MP3s or playing from a computer or something. It was, it was pretty simple uh, of what the, 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 the woman was confused about trying to get clarity. Right. And this is at least three weeks before the event, right? This wasn't the night before. And the guy blows up on it. He blows a gasket and he's screaming and acting crazy. What is going on? I'm trying to understand. What, <laughs> right? I'm trying to understand, like, okay, I'm, as you're listening to this, I'm sure you're all asking, like, okay, what is the punchline? 
what is the problem, right? And I'm, that's why I explained it. I don't understand the problem. And so she's speaking more. And I said, let, hold on, let me, let, me, let me ask y'all a few questions. So this is a, a younger guy uh, who's on the board with her. And I said, well, what kind of setup does he have? What kind of, how many speakers? I started asking a few questions about well, what does it look like on your stage since you have all these people coming. Well, you know, he's a DJ. Oh, he's a DJ. Okay. What about this DJ? Well, we usually use his stuff. His stuff. What is his stuff? Well, it's a turntable. Then he has his two. I said, okay. All right. So again, all it took was those few questions, and it brought me to my point here. Did you know that 177 million Americans listen to podcasts? You know, you can listen to podcasts anywhere. Most people listen to at least eight shows a week. So what does that mean for your church? Isn't the goal to reach more people with your message? You know, Tascam has been the choice of musicians, engineers, and broadcast professionals worldwide. And now they enter the new age of the podcaster, where they once again combine affordability, portability, and sound quality in one elegant package with the Tascam Mixcast 4. Isn't it great to hear the roar of the crowd behind your voice at the tips of your fingers? The ease of use and the portability of this hardware unit where you can have four microphone inputs, Bluetooth, telephone, and computer input all at the reach of your fingers. So do yourself a favor and go to your local retailer or retailer online and get yourself a Tascam Mixcast 4 because the goal is to reach more people with your message. The guy, this is very, very common. You have people who are DJs. Stick with me. I'm going to paint the picture with you with my words. You know how those DJs, they get those like $200 um, lights that are on the lighting tree right. and they do like birthday parties right. on a small venue, right. you know what I mean? Or right. like your, your aunt's anniversary. Yep. And they had this little lighting tree because the room is all dark. It has no windows. It has no lights, right? So he has this little lighting tree and then he has a little turntable and he has a, the big speaker. And it, it takes like three men to bring in the speaker because the speaker is like seven feet tall <laughs> and you pretty start about the dust. And then <laughs> whenever they turn the, the speaker on, the dust blows into your eyes and then you start to sneeze, right? He has those kind of speakers. I'm not even going to say the company name. Oh, Definitely wasn't the company that you were representing. But <laughs> the eight-foot speakers that just, like, if you, and, and then whenever this feedback goes to the mic, because you know there's feedback when somebody speaks at the beginning, um, it just, like, resonates through your spirit because the entire room um, shakes from the two speakers that he's using along with his turntables. Uh, there's definitely them old joints that Run DMC used in oh, their God. first video. <laughs> and there's no, there's no, there, there are no uh, components that were made within the last oh, gosh. 10, 10 years, right? Oh, that, uh, now, yeah, did I paint the picture of the yeah, DJ for I you? It. I hope crystal, I did. Crystal clear. But that's the dude, right? And then you ask him something like, how many monitors are you bringing? And this guy loses it because he doesn't even understand why, how monitors work in the system, which if you want a litmus test for trust for any, any test that you want to do for someone you want to hire, ask them to put together a system and run monitors for the band and a different one for the pastor. Write that down. Try that. You're going to eliminate about half the people that apply for the job right there. Right. Uh, you agree easily, with what I'm saying? Easily. <laughs> And it's basic too. That's like that's like one hundred level stuff. Yeah, right in the news. easily. It, it really 
That's how you do it. And this DJ, I guarantee you couldn't do it. And so I was helping to, I said, okay, stop right there. The problem is people tend to hire DJs and DJs say, I'll bring my mics and I'll bring my stuff, right? I do shows. I have speakers. I have a system, right? That's what they say. The system they have, I just explained their system. There's one wireless mic. Um, and for my technical people, there is no crossover. There's no sub. There's no mid. There's no high. It's just two big speakers that are eight feet, right? Um, and I'll leave it at that. And they, um, they don't know how to actually balance. For example, uh, if there are five singers, you might have, let's say, to my choir people, you might have, you know, two sopranos, two altos, and one tenor. They don't know the difference between alto, soprano, tenor, and a singer. They don't know uh, how to balance the levels between those people. And they definitely don't know how to balance maybe the keyboard player from those things. That's, those are more things that engineers have to do. But DJs, no, 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 no. They play on a turntable. Here to play my daddy's records. <laughs> and the mic goes through the turntable. The mic doesn't have a mixer. It goes in the turntable. <laughs> I, I'm sure y'all can... Y'all Google what I'm saying. <laughs> Look for turntables that have a mic input in the back. That's the system that they're running, right? Oh, God. Don't, you better not ask me about no monitors on that <laughs> DJ turntable because I have no idea how to run it. And so I said all of that in that story. It's a funny story, but it's a true story. It's a real event. And this was not a small organization, but they simply trusted this guy because he didn't charge him a lot of money. Now we're talking. See, he, he, he barely charged him because I own the system. You don't have to get anything else, right? And somebody's aunt knew him from the board, right? And, and so he pulls up in his, in his two-door hatchback with his gear in the back. <laughs> and says, look, and I'm not knocking hatchbacks. I mean, I used to have them. The point I'm saying is that that's the, I love visuals, you know? So that's the problem. The problem is you have people who are not qualified, right, to engineer just because they have experience as a DJ, but if you ask them right. about their experiences and to give you a reference like you did when you when when the guy came in there uh, and he saw the level, because your your system has more than 35, 50 channels, right? Right. In, in one in in one capacity, right? In, in yeah. one of the boards. Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody who who works with four channels, one, two, three, four, that walks into a board that has 50 channels. Uh, that's not only intimidating, they don't even know barely how to turn it on or how to do anything on it. So those are the things that engineers have to do. And that requires credentials, experience, um, electronics, um, wiring, troubleshooting, monitoring, multiple mixes. And these are things that engineers do, but pastors don't know the difference between the DJ and that dude because the DJ usually knows how to talk himself into something. The engineers <laughs> usually don't have the best communication skills, but that's another big one. That's another show. That's that that's hilarious. <laughs> it is it's it's so true. So his it his is, right? his frustration was not with the woman. His frustration was with himself because he didn't know how to do what she was asking him to do. Which now is we're talking. which is normal when you talk about sound reinforcement or or compared to being a DJ that has a system two different animals. The DJ plugs into sound reinforcement. They are not sound reinforcement um, when it comes to having it, having an event. So, and I said that to them in five minutes, they thanked me three or four days later, they found an engineer 
they, I said, I said, here's your resolution. Stop talking to the DJ. And if you have a relationship and you don't want to get rid of them, make sure you make sure he knows not to disrespect elders first. But after that, if you don't want to get rid of them, keep them, make him tell him, listen, you're only going to DJ, make the people happy, play music, and then bring in the engineer and bring in the sound system and make him plug his turntables into sound, which is what you just said. Right. So getting back to the title of the show, when the church with the budget, trust the engineer, what does that look like in your eyes? What it looks like is they, whether they know or don't know, someone who has decision-making power in the organization has a relationship with the person who is um, the sound engineer or manager, because many times it's more than an engineer. You have to manage budgets and you have to manage projects. But the administrator for sound and media, they trust that person. They trust them with making financial decision, right? What that means is they don't submit to them, I'm going to give you X amount of dollars, you figure it out. Or they might give them a range. But once they give them that range, that person has the capacity in their job to go to stores to purchase. They have the capacity to um, manage and um, vet people. They might not have the final hiring process. They might recommend the HR, but they should be able to interview and to vet and make a decision on their final candidates to HR for hires. Um, they trust them to troubleshoot the system when things are wrong versus calling in some other company while they're there. Whole another conversation. They trust them to carry out the duties that they're assigned from the audio side, the media side. They trust them to be a representative when there's a salesman or a store instead of going over their head and finding out what's going on and then passing it down the pike. Whenever a system is going to be upgraded or when something's going to be built or rebuilt, they ask them for not only their professional opinion, but they ask them for a diagram and or proposal that they will submit after the person that they trust, who's the engineer, creates the full proposal. They don't do the proposal and then show them and then do it. They actually ask that person that they trust to do a proposal they also um, usually give them some type of support staff if that's uh, viable or available within their um, resources. And they also will allow that person to go to training and take their team members to training and or train other people on their team. Uh, I think I covered most of what that looks like. I might have left a little out, but so in my experience, that's what it looks like. I've been in the seat where I've had that trust. I've worked with organizations that has that trust. And uh, it works out pretty well. It works out pretty well in those situations. To add to that, I will probably say the diagram and the proposal is probably the biggest thing is because mm-hmm. as a creative and as a, t- a tech person, because we're kind of one in the same, especially me and you, we're kind of one in the same is that mm-hmm. you have to be able to explain the vision in layman's terms. That's right. You gotta you 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 can't talk over people's head. You have to no. be able to break it down. So what I've what I've done is I've I've created a I will create a chart. I will create a diagram. I will then assign 
the the products to those to those diagrams mm-hmm. and then present the cost all the accessories this and that and explain why and how it's going to work and what ways it would be effective and what ways we can use it in multiple different ways or sing or singular way if you're if you're trying to solve a singular problem so i would paint the picture along with the information and then let them make a a a decision based mm-hmm. on that i'll say hey listen here's this is what i this is what i'm thinking <clears throat> this is the reason why we should do this here's the proposal and what it would cost here are the products here's the diagram Here's the products mm-hmm. that that go along with that diagram. Um, yes. Let me know what budget we are we on budget above you know above budget. You know, let me know where we're at. So if any changes I need to make, if so, if not, um, what's the timetable? Um, and all those things factor into building that relationship. To especially when you you're coming from dealing with a pastor or an executive executive pastor and dealing with someone in the tech world. Yeah, I agree. And I would add that in my proposals, I intentionally put options in there. And the reason I say that is not just because of pricing and um, financing. Perfect example. Many larger, yeah, larger operations, um, television broadcasts, um, they'll use a team, you know, like the NFL or ESPN. They'll use a team of people. It might, the cameras might be large. You see the guys in these huge cameras, um, and they're sitting on this stool type of apparatus. And then you see the, the jib arms and all of those types of things that are holding a camera. And, and I'll call that manual cameras. Like the jib arm, you're controlling that, but it's holding a camera. You're moving to left and right. The, the tripod, uh, I mean the stool um, camera men, and I'm using layman's terms now so that people can understand what I'm saying. Um, that's common in a larger, I'll say five camera, eight camera plus operation. It's common to use people, okay? Um, and, and, and that's larger. But the conversation comes up about robotic camera, all right? I'm not saying that I'm for them or against them, but more than not, smaller operations will use robotic cameras because they don't have the, the personnel and they have limited capacity with the people who are, are using them and so they like using the remote control and, and and they'll they'll um recommend you know for a smaller uh, or operation back to my point on options i have frequently um submitted proposals to medium-sized churches with the option of robotic cameras versus manual people because i say you know if you plan to scale up and you plan to grow in capacity, you might want to consider manual cameras, right? Because you might just add more people and add more cameras and that can move into the switcher, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so for for them, they're thinking like, wait a second, but I thought that, you know, robotic cameras are the way to go. Uh, and I use that story in that example to illustrate my point that sometimes it seems as if something, because robotic cameras are more expensive, that's what I'm getting to. Um, some of those systems can be much more expensive than the manual cameras uh, at the lower um, level. I say that because sometimes you have those decision makers with no knowledge that think paying more money is better. Yes. So yes. 
Yes. <laughs> that is why in my proposal, Say I don't it. give them. <laughs> Say <laughs> it. My, my man said, if I don't spend 20K or more on cameras, they're garbage. Not really. Not really. If you know what you're doing and, and you're trying to, and I'll use the word user friendly, and you're trying to use things that just have a high quality in the lens and in the camera, you can do that. Um, but at the same time, you, it doesn't have to be at that level, right? And you might shoot yourself in the foot because you might buy yourself something that's controlled like an airplane um, and find yourself, <laughs> <laughs> find yourself. And then I'm not even getting into lighting and all the other things that, that play into that. But the point that I'm making is I always give options because they just don't know a lot of details as it relates to the function right. of what happens on Sunday. I always speak in terms of, or not to speak, proposal, present in terms of function. If there are three people total on your team, on your media team, we're going to build a system based on that kind of team. If there are 15 people, we're going we're gonna to recommend a different system. Right. If there are two singers, there's a certain board that I might, you know, recommend for that. If there are 20 singers or a choir and three praise teams and two bands, that's a different system. It's not that the board that I recommend is going to be more expensive or less. It's it's proposal by function. And good church engineers understand the difference. You don't buy because it's the newest, best, most expensive thing. You can buy the newest, best, most expensive thing, and no one will know how to use it as a church right now that I am helping that spent, I kid you not, over a quarter of a million dollars mm. on a board and the the accommodating parts of the system um, that that are some speakers. It's not the full system. Quarter of a million dollars. Uh, and volunteers are operating. They have no idea how to use it. It is an absolute waste. It is a mess. And they trusted somebody because somebody told them that buying was the way to go. Buying higher means better. And it was the worst decision they could have made. And the church members raised money to pay for that. It's a sad story, but I'm saying wow. that as an example. To my point, more money is not better. Give the people options so they understand how does it work and function with the team that we have. How does it work and function with the leaders that we have? How can we grow forward into the system, audio and visual, and you know, media, video, uh, audio? How can we put together something that is representative of what our church needs to offer uh, and the people that are there? You know, and so those things, you need people with experience in, in that seat in order to do that. And right. so instead of talking to the people that are selling it, and that's what happened in this case. They listened to the salesman. The salesman said, this is the most expensive, the newest, flashiest thing. And they did some demo and played a CD. But they didn't go in there and play it with the actual singers. And the actual musicians, they played a CD on the joint. And they were like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing. Sign me up. You know, but it, it, as crazy as it sounds, this happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's sometimes it can happen in reverse. Sometimes. <laughs> It's, it, sometimes it can happen in reverse. I remember I was dealing with a church and the guy was so out, it was just out, outlandish, just expectations. And you're like, no, it won't do that. Yeah. I, I remember like the construction guy showed up 
and he was um talking about he went to read he went to read through the walls. And so the construction construction guys like, so you wanna put asked him, say, you wanna put panels here, you wanna do this? He said, No, we need something because our kids are rough. <laughs> so our kids are rough. And he's and the dude starts running into the wall because our kids are rough. So we need you need something rough. <laughs> and the construction guy's like, it's concrete, like it's sheetrock. Like, so how much more how rough, much rough you are you? Get? No. <laughs> <laughs> Our, our, our kids are rough, so we need something to. You know what I'm saying? And I'm looking around. I was like, if he, I said, oh lord, this right here is gonna be a mess. So, to 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 wrap it all in a bow, yeah. What would be your answer to that pastor? The one uh, that this is trying to know it. Yeah. All without yeah. asking for help is that right. is that yeah. the best way for me? Yeah, to, yes, definitely. How do I deal with one that, that that thinks they know it all? I help them, and, and I'm the person that's the engineer, or I'm the person. You're the person that's, that's the I'm. engineer, or the and consultant, somebody, whatever, whatever. Yeah, but they 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 believe they know everything, right? Um, here's here's my answer to that. Um, I before helping them know because sometimes we we make the mistake of taking offense first. We come into the situation offended first. They don't know who I am. They don't know what I've been through. They don't know how my experience. How dare they? I know this and I've been there. It's the first natural human reaction is offense, which is the worst thing to do. Because really, you have to ask yourself, what do you want? What, what would you like to happen? And, and the answer is what we all want. We want to succeed in our roles, in our jobs, in our responsibilities. And we want the people that we work with around us to have a successful and pleasant experience. That, that's, that's what we really want. Right. We want them to be happy and we want to be happy, right? That's what we want. We might not say it that way. Um, so since that's the objective for me and for them, um, then I do just a little bit of education, a little free education to that person to say, have you considered A? Have you considered B? I start talking about their organization. There is nothing more valuable than helping people rethink based off their organization. For example, if they are that storefront, I say, you know, you got brother Rick over there on the camera and he barely knows the difference between an iPhone and, and, and a black magic camera. He doesn't know the difference, right? And uh, he doesn't know the difference between a switcher that switches cameras and a switcher that turns on lights. So I make it clear to them that there's a team of volunteer. There are a team of people who are untrained. All right. And so you don't want to make decisions based off of an untrained team. If I had a, I would show them, if I had a trained team, I would do A and B and C and D. I would do this piece number one, two, three, and four. But since we have volunteers, here are some reasons that these components work better for volunteers. I help to educate them of the why right. first. Why? I don't talk the numbers. I talk function and why. This is why option one works better, but I hear option three that you're talking about. But let me show you a few reasons why number three might hurt us, might hurt our organization, might hurt our ministry, might hurt us on a Sunday, might cause some confusion, might cause people to, to get into disagreements or arguments, might cause people to not know how to use the information, might cause us to spend more money, right? And I show them without just focusing on price. That's the first thing that I do. I really try to help educate them 
about their own organization first, not about my wants, my needs, the equipment's needs, the salesman. I talk about their, here's what your organization needs. And here are some options that fit there. I educate and I over-educate. And then I sit back and say, what do you think? You know, what do you think about this approach versus what you first thought? And usually eight out of 10 times, you always have those two that are like, no matter what, what I say goes and this is it. You have that person, then you have the other one who just has to think about it forever. And they right. got to process it. And then eight months down the road, we might come to it. There's, there's quite a few that fit into <laughs> that one too. But outside of those two people, most will say, you know, I never thought of that. I, I hear that mo- <laughs> the right. most frequent comment that I receive from what my experience has been is, I never thought of that. I never thought of that. That's why you have me. <laughs> to right. help you just think right. about right. things differently and right. think about a, a better way to win. And then I, then I reassure them, I want what's best for you. I want what's best for us. I don't want you to be frustrated. I want, you. And then it kind of diffuses. Mm-hmm. It diffuses some of those situations. It diffuses some of those um, fears. It diffuses some of those um, insecurities and inhibitions. Insecurities yeah. as well. You know, within those leaders, um, and they have it, they just don't want to admit it. So that's what I do. That's what I do. And, and, and I think that's probably the best foot forward instead of offense or instead of, you know, going the pompous route of, you know, letting them know how smart I think I am or letting them know all of my credentials and run my resume down. And don't you know, I went here and studied with such and such and work with this company and such and such is calling me and I could be over there. You know, all of those things that, you know, we <laughs> we feel like sometimes doing. Right. Um, but it, it's not going to get you anywhere. It's just going to get you to a further argument or it's going to it's going to get you your, your feelings hurt when he helps you to say, that's nice that you've been over there, but you're here. Right. And this is what we're doing. Right. Right. <laughs> so and I've seen I've seen uh, some of my colleagues go through that experience when they they didn't humble themselves to win. I like humbling myself to win. I like winning. So. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Have you kind of discussed when the church with the budget trust the engineer, there's, there's a harmony attached to that, there's information attached to that, there's caring attached to that, there's understanding that's attached to that. And it's a it's a I can't say it's a marriage, but it's a it's a um relationship. It's a relationship that's built on trust. And if you're looking to to if you're lacking that and prayer is one way is is definitely a, a route and then secondly it in vetting and calling people and talking to folk and mm-hmm. um and if you even have questions for us you can just just hit us right there on the or right there on the website or hit us right at the church sound podcast at gmail shoot us your questions your concerns and um we would love to Get back and talk to you. Before we get out of here, we have our we have our we have our, our bonus round. <laughs> Thirty seconds and gone. Five questions from my brother. All right. All right. Question number one: Roland, Yamaha, or Korg? Yamaha. Piano. Favorite favorite man favorite manufacturer of a piano. Steinway. Steinway, not Yamaha. Steinway, definitely Steinway by far. It's not even close. Not even close. But Yamaha with the electronics in the sense. <laughs> definitely, it's Our, a feel for for my people that play piano classically or jazz. 
my jazz and classical people, gospel too, but jazz and classical people, they're, they're just the way that the hammers are built on Steinway in the feel of, of, of the, um, the action. It, it, it's different. Because I, I like Yonha too, but Steinway is a whole nother level. Okay. Favorite childhood cereal? <sighs> Probably Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops. Last question. Who would be your favorite pa- favorite speaker that you listen to now, currently? Ugh, it's T.D. Jakes. Jakes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs of all ages. I want to thank my brother Joshua Head for joining us right here on the podcast. Before you get out of here, make sure you like, subscribe, review, leave a comment, shoot us an email, go right to the show notes. All the information is there that you may need. And um, thank you, brother, for showing up. I'm glad to be here. And I'm going to say it like I always say it. Keep God first in everything you do. See you next time on the Church Sound Podcast. Attention all churches and organizations. Are you looking to amplify your message and reach your community in a powerful way? Introducing Podcast Made Simple, the perfect solution for churches and organizations, and even yourself, eager to step into the world of podcasting with ease and confidence. Our beginner course serves as a comprehensive guide helping you navigate the ins and outs of podcasting effortlessly. From selecting the right equipment to crafting engaging content, Podcast Made Simple provides step-by-step guidance tailored to your needs. No more struggling with complicated technology or feeling overwhelmed by the process. With our course, you'll be recording and sharing your message to the world in no time. Podcast Made Simple helped our church connect with our congregation in a whole new way. Thanks to this course, our message is reaching more people than ever before. Don't miss out on this opportunity to engage your community and make a lasting impact. Enroll in Podcast Made Simple today. The link is in the show notes or visit our website, invisiblemediaconsulting.com.